Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 68 of the Medical Device Success podcast and videocast. I am Ted Newell, your host. Thanks very much for spending time with me today. Um, the podcast continues to grow. I really appreciate everybody's support and the feedback I get, which comes in much greater amounts lately, which is great. Love talking to everybody and meeting people online. So keep it coming. Today's episode is about building success models. And this is the result of many of the calls that I get for advice. You know, frequently it's from small companies. Uh, there could be startups that are ready to commercialize, or it's a small company that's struggling with a particular problem. Frequently it's a revenue marketing or sales problem if they're calling me. You know, and sometimes sales reps contact me for advice and for help. And one of the most frequent recommendations I give to people is to build a success model as part of their solution. Now, why is this important? It's because sometimes you have to really focus on something to get it right and to make it have impact, whether you're a sales rep in the field in a territory or you're a small company that's trying to commercialize and in the first steps. And it's easy to make mistakes. I had a, uh, the CEO of a small company contact me the other day, very excited because distributors were already contacting them. They had, they had learned about this company in the news about some of, with some of the press releases that had been issued. And distributors were contacting them. So the request was, what can I do to select a distributor? How should I do this? Um, what are some of the steps? And we got into a very long discussion, which I won't review right here. But again, one of the concepts I suggested was to build a success model. Don't just grab every distributor that comes to you. And we'll talk about that later because I'm going to use this as an example um, about distributors. But you can make a big mistake if you spread yourself too thin, uh, too fast, and then everybody's unhappy and it could end up hurting your company. So that's just one example, but I get these requests all the time. So that's what we're talking about today is building success models for med tech. And I've created slides um, for listeners. Don't worry. I will be very clear about the content and you can always ask me for the slides later. I can provide you a PDF for viewers. When I do put it on the YouTube channel, you'll be able to see me speaking and relating to the slides. But here's what we're going to cover today. First of all, the sayings. You'll understand that better in a minute, but that's the first thing is the sayings. Then common sense yet, dot, dot, dot. The next thing will be what is a success model followed by where are they most effective and why are they important? The success model process and then success model examples. And I'll be using a turnaround, uh, a sales rep territory, a disruptive technology, and a distribution channel as examples. If you like what you hear today, please share it with a friend. It's easy to do. Whichever podcast medium you're using probably has a share button somewhere 
in its control panel. So it's really easy to share a podcast with a colleague or a friend. You can recommend it and or subscribe. As always, I appreciate that kind of support. So are you ready to find out how a success model may help you? Let's go. Okay, we are back and you are looking at the first title slide of the presentation, which is Success Models for MedTech. And as I said a few minutes ago, what we will cover today are the sayings, common sense yet, what is a success model, where are they most effective, why are they important, the success model process, and success model examples, which will be a turnaround, a sales territory, a disruptive technology, and distribution channels. So let's go to the sayings. And there's just a couple of them. But frequently when I talk to colleagues that are successful and I ask them, what did you do to be successful? One one of my colleagues says, we took baby steps. We took one challenge at a time and succeeded at it. So that's one saying that is similar to not exactly like a success model, which we'll be talking about. And the other was one customer at a time. Now you've heard that so many times. You've heard that in advertisements and you've heard that in speeches from executives, whether it's an investor's call or it's on the news or it could be CNBC. If you're in the United States, one of the big news channels, we're taking care of one customer at a time. So is it a cliche? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. Let's go back to the slides here. But again, it's not exactly the same, but in a way it is very similar to what we'd be talking about in terms of building a success model. Because those one or two target customers you use when it's appropriate to be using a customer, when that's part of the model, you are literally taking care of just a couple customers at a time to get to your objective, but you have to pick them correctly. Some of this, when we talk about it, will seem like common sense. Yet common sense is not always obvious when you're deluged with emails and revenue goals and a variety of expectations. For example, you're you're a sales exec or you're a sales representative. You've got to Turn around a territory if you're the sales representative or improve your sales markedly. Or if you're the sales exec, you're fielding calls for support all day long. You've got lots on your mind, lots of emails, lots of phone calls. If you're a marketing leader, you're trying to get actionable leads and influence market share between people knocking on your door, sending you emails, asking you to attend meetings. In general, you could be the victim of a brainstorming meeting where every idea is expected to be executed. Have you ever been in a meeting like that? I have. They're crazy. You have this, somebody decides there's a problem. We're going to have a brainstorming meeting to solve it on like in marketing or sales. You come up with all these ideas and then the the leading executive says, okay, who's going to be responsible for what? as if you have the resources and time to spread out and to achieve all these ideas as opposed to prioritizing one or two. Then if you're a C-suite leader, 
you know, you could be looking for functional results in the function you're responsible for, but you're hearing the voices of the board and your fellow C-suite leaders in the background. If you're a parent, you're trying to get a child to try something new or to be better at something they're already working on. If you're a spouse or a partner, it could be building a relationship between chores and family demands and shopping and school meetings, etc. Don't worry, we won't go into the uh, parent spouses and partners program at all. <laughs> For examples, because we could be here all day if we're talking about that. Been there, done that. So have many of you. But you can apply the success model program to parenting and to your relationships with a spouse and or a partner. So what is a success model? I came up with a definition, and I hope I have captured everything I really wanted to capture. It's a long sentence, so bear with me. It is the deliberate focus of time, attention, personnel, and other resources in an effort to succeed with a highly targeted business or personal objective so that this effort can be learned from, adjusted, replicated, and scaled. Okay, for the listeners, I'm going to go through that again. It is the deliberate focus of time, attention, personnel, and other resources in an effort to succeed with a highly targeted business or personal objective so that this effort can be learned from, adjusted, replicated, and scaled. The next bullet is model is the important word here. Some think people think of a model as many different ways, like it's a shape or a form to be considered. Like when you see them creating the models of new cars that might be produced five, 10 years from now, they're making these huge clay models of these cars. A model can also be something that is to be tested. And in the fashion world, of course, a model is a man or a woman, could even be a dog or a cat, that is wearing some item to show that it works, that it looks good on this particular person. Other similar names are like centers of excellence or key accounts, but they're not really exactly what I'm talking about. They're, they don't always fit the success model definition. So now I'm on the next slide, which is titled, where are they most effective? Lots of places, but I'm going to go through several bullets right here quickly to give you some examples. So a new disruptive medical technology, a new sales or marketing campaign or a process, turning around an underperforming sales territory, turning around a company or in a territory while perfecting a sales and or customer success process, or in your personal life. There's lots of places where a success model can be effective. Next slide. Why are they important? Lots of great reasons. And here's some of the key ones. First, you learn from the experience with limited targets. Second, 
By limiting the targets, it reduces risk in the event of poor outcomes. Now, with a medical technology, yeah, the poor outcomes could be clinical outcomes. And you might be saying, well, Ted, if we've got 510k clearance or if we've got a PMA approval, we've already proven that the clinical outcomes are going to be good. Yes, you may have in your clinical studies that got you those clearances and or approvals, but it might not apply to the doctor in the trenches out there in the hospital or in his practice or her practice trying to get results with patients. And I've seen this many times before where clinical study evidence doesn't always equal the way a product or a technology will perform in the field day in and day out. So you've got to be careful about that. Or it could be it reduces the risk of a poor outcome, let's say, in tr the training process and or materials, what you, how you train the doctors, the other healthcare professionals that support them that have to put their hands on your technology. And then the whole concept of customer success. You don't want poor outcomes in terms of customer success. So if you are working on a success model and you limit the targets of that success model, you'll avoid going really wide, too fast and too far and having poor outcomes over a wide variety of customers that could end up creating a bad reputation for your technology and for your company. The other reason they're important is because in a success model, there's, some, there's a number of things you want to achieve. And one of them is you collect success data and or evidence that can be used as a proof source with other prospects and stakeholders. This is really key. And one of the biggest purposes of a success model is to collect data and evidence. And then when you get the success model right, it supports scaling. And most important, when it's done correctly, a success model results in a win. And it's great for team or personal morale and confidence. So now we're going to talk about the success model process. And it's not that different from creating a lot of other processes, except it needs focus. And you need to be thinking in terms of creating a success model. That has to be in your head. So you want to create a model building process that you believe will lead to success. You have to involve all stakeholders and participants for buy-in. As a sales rep, for example, you may be the only stakeholder. Or if appropriate, you can involve your superior and or maybe find an ally in the company that will provide some support materials. Perhaps it's a product manager that will help back you up on a couple virtual calls to your, your success targets in your territory. Have clear objectives. Again, what I spoke to in the previous slide was those clear objectives should be based around quantitative data and evidence. And when I talk about data and evidence, that can cover a lot of different subjects. It's easiest to think of data and evidence in terms of clinical outcomes, but it can also be in how well was the product integrated into, let's say, the operating room or into the ICU or into a doctor's practice. Does it reduce the amount of time they spend with patients? That's key data. Is it easily integratable? Did it 
was it easy to train and get the hospital support or the practice support people up to speed to help the physician succeed? Then another part of the success model process is select your model targets carefully. You want targets that are going to cooperate with you and work with you. You know, if the process involves a prospective customer or partner, you may want to involve them in designing the process. This could be important in understanding the data that you want to collect that proves success really does become a valid proof source. And the people that best can tell you that is your customer. And again, when I say customer, that could be a lot of things. It could be a customer within, within your company, somebody that you work with in your company, another functional person, or it could be a traditional customer, somebody that is buying your technology and or your product. Include them if you can in this process. It'll get them more involved, get them more committed to working with you and help build a relationship with you and your company. Now we're going to get into some examples. So the first success model example I'm going to use is turning around a company. And so some of you listeners are involved in this. Some of you are probably really good at it. You don't need to listen to me. Um, But I'm going to go through a few of these steps anyway. If you're in this situation, of course, you are driving your team to fix a lot of problems, probably at one time. You feel like you're juggling a whole bunch of balls and wearing several different hats. However, to be sure to give focus to one that is high priority, you know, perhaps it's a quality measure or a cost measure in manufacturing. Focus on winning with that priority. You know, especially let's say you are a newer executive in a turnaround situation and you have a staff that you don't know all that well, but you're trying to drive them during this turnaround process. There could be a couple high priorities in the process of the turnaround. Maybe pick the one where you get along with that functional executive the best. So there's not so much stress in terms of the two of you working together. And pick that as the priority that you're going to work on. Yeah, you're going to work on everything else at the same time, but you're really going to focus on this one. Create the process, create the teamwork and build the momentum to get this win. Because if you win with this particular functional person, it will create momentum. Even in the process of winning, even in the process of working with this other functional person that in whose area you're trying to turn around a particular responsibility of theirs and help them, other people will see this they'll see that you're succeeding. And if there was stress or alienation on the part of any other functional executives, this may help take that down several notches and get them on board, setting an example. So there's a lot you can do with this, but if you focus on one and get a win, that satisfies a lot of things. It feels great. The functional person you're working with will feel good. They will become a supporter of yours, and you can keep moving with your turnaround. Lots to think about on that one. And again, turning around a company is probably a two- or three-week 
masterclass of some kind, right? But this is an example of using a success model. The next exa example we have is launching a disruptive new technology. And if some of you have paid attention to some recent podcasts, you've heard great advice from Jeffrey Moore, author of Crossing the Chasm, which we're going to, to refer to here in just a second, and also David Aker, a PhD, um, the father of modern branding. So there's lots of things going into succeeding with a disruptive new technology. So the model objective is to utilize an early adopter, or it could be called a visionary, to get the data and evidence you need to con convince a pragmatist in pain, that's also referred to as early majority, to try your technology. Okay, let's hit that really quickly one more time. We're trying to get an early adopter to help us with the data and evidence we need to cross that chasm and get a pragmatist in pain to try our technology, to believe it will work for them. So the next bullet is you're going to work with the early adopter and the pragmatist in pain to agree on the evidence that's needed. Now, even though their motivations are different, and if you listen to that podcast or saw the presentation with Jeffrey Moore, you understand that these people are different personas, but they probably will agree on certain pieces of evidence and or data that they need. And it can be, again, the clinical outcomes, the cost, the reduction in readmissions, for example, and or the integration. Can it be easily integrated into whatever function of the hospital the technology is being used in or in a, in a doctor's practice? And you may have to motivate these participants with some free product to get them to work with you. But if you have them involved and have them committed and have them agreeing that they're going to help you collect the data and they're going to share this with you, whether it's a hospital, a doctor, a surgeon, a surgeon's team, whatever it might be, they'll probably responsibly use any free or trial product that, that you're bringing in. So deliver the technology, gather the data and the evidence, debrief with both the early adopter and the pragmatist in pain, whoever they may be, and assess the results. Were you successful? If you're successful, you are on your way. You now have the building of a proof source that can turn into marketing materials, white papers, other things that can support you. If you weren't successful, you should be catching that during the success model build. You should be catching this as you are working with these particular functional areas of a practice or a hospital. But you need to reassess, reorganize, rebuild the concept of the success model, present it again, and go after it. The next example we have is going to be a small med tech company setting up a distribution channel, sales channel for a new product. So the big problem I think a lot of people have when they are commercializing and they want to use distributors is they try to be all things to all distributors at one time with a very small staff. And that will lead to failure. You may not be able to execute the training and support that's needed for this success. This results in a bad reputation for your product among distributor reps who have lots of other products to sell. 
The minute they run into a problem with your product, they won't waste time on it anymore. They will go to one of the other products in their bag, something they're more familiar with, and move on from there. And if you've gone too far and too wide initially, you don't have time to uncover these problems, uncover these negative attitudes and fix them. So instead, start with one or two distributors. Tell them up front that they will be getting a lot of attention. And in return for that attention, you want the data and evidence that shows that your technology is succeeding in their distribution channel and with their reps. So get them the leads, thoroughly train them, be in contact with the field reps all the time. Get the reputation among their field reps that your company is the most supportive and fun to work with and get their feedback. Always be asking for feedback. And while all this is going on, you're collecting the data of their success and what it means to their revenues. If you help several of these sales reps, like you could even target a certain group of sales reps within a distributor and make that your success model. For example, this national distributor, and that's your only choice. Well, pick three or four sales reps, probably most effective if they're all in a similar geography that makes them easier to support and go out there and make them successful. Don't try to make the whole distributor sales team successful. Make these three or four reps successful. When they are successful and they see that they're earning greater commissions because your product is helping them out and you're helping them out, they'll be telling their friends. They'll be telling the other reps in the distribution system for that company. The word will get out and people will want to work with you. They'll be asking when they can get it. In the meantime, you will be perfecting your training, the sales collaterals and the materials you use to support these reps. You'll be getting it all right. Maybe you need an application specialist and you'll realize that you need more. With the success of these particular small group of sales reps within the distributor, you will have the data now to ask for more funds to support wider effort with the rest of the distribution uh, group in this national distributor. Or if you've done what I mentioned before, like pick one or two distributors, you can do the same thing. You'll have perfected everything with one or two, let's say, regional distributors. And again, the word will get out. People will be asking how they're doing with your product or your technology. And they'll be saying great things. And even if you're getting calls from these other distributors, do not get distracted. Do not get distracted. Stick with the success model. Finish it out. Get all the data. Prove it was successful. Have one or two very happy regional distributors and then start to move on. And then the final example I have is turning around a territory. This is always tough when you're taking over a new territory or your territory has been reorganized and maybe you just gained some additional geography with some accounts that you don't know very well, or maybe your territory was even made smaller and you really have to succeed overcoming some of the competitive accounts in the territory that you have. So pick a couple of accounts where the door is already cracked open if possible. Maybe they're already using a few of your products 
it gives you an excuse to go in, get to know them, build a relationship. If you don't have any product usage, try to find a door that is open that you can walk through. And it could be a particular healthcare professional that has a pain point that you really address. Try to find those particular people to start this whole success model process with. Tell these key account stakeholders what your goal is. And while you're doing that, also find an ally in-house at your company. Now, this could be your boss, or it could be, as I suggested earlier in another slide, it could be a product manager or marketing manager, could be a application specialist, somebody that's going to help you succeed and tell them what you're trying to do. Ask them if they have ideas, because they may have some really good ideas, and ask them if they'll be available to help you, perhaps in some of your presentations, whether they're virtual and or face-to-face if you get that face-to-face chance. With the key account stakeholders, ask them what evidence or data or service they need to support usage. And then ask them if they would participate in gathering some of this evidence and what they would want in return. And maybe it's a trial, maybe it's demos. You might have to do some type of a quid pro quo to get their cooperation. And then as you're doing all this, separate yourself from the competition in terms of communication. Make sure that you're really staying up to date with these people on all the promises you've made, everything you've said that you're going to do. Use the highest technology communication system that you possibly can, whether it's virtual. Make sure that you're really crisp and clean and organized when you're doing virtual presentations and or if you are face-to-face. And sometimes, you know, in a face-to-face presentation, you're bringing in somebody virtually. Be prepared to do that. Make sure that you stand out, you know, compared to your competitive reps. And in the end, deliver and follow through. And then review with them the data and the evidence and ask them if it was compelling. I believe that if you've done all these things You will have stood out because still lots of sales are based on relationships. You'll have built some great relationships. You'll have stood out. The data and the evidence will probably be in your favor. And then you can try several different closing techniques, one of which is, look, maybe you don't want to change from your current supplier completely, but do you need a backup supplier? And are these difficult cases that I showed that we can really solve these difficult situations can we agree that we'll use the product there? You know, use some great closing techniques. Frequently, if you solve a difficult problem, you'll get some business and then it all trickles in from there and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So those are some thoughts about turning around territory. And then the final step, and this is my final slide, is to celebrate. Celebrate the success whether it's an in-house success, working with some cross-functional colleagues of yours on projects that really needed to get done so that you can prove to other people that you can work as a team, you, you know, so you've built a success model in-house, or it's getting an account, getting your first two accounts that are going to be the foundation for scaling and getting even more. Celebrate. 
And then recognition. Recognize the people that helped you. Recognize the, the, the team that helped get all these things done. Make sure that recognition is an important part of the celebration. Because when you have these kinds of wins, it feels great. And it really be, can become the foundation for a lot more winning. Gives you something you can scale on the, on the sales side, on the revenue side, to get more accounts, more revenues, and more success. On the internal side, it could be solving problems, having better functional cooperation throughout the company, hitting quality and manufacturing goals. There's so many places where this can be valuable and helpful. Thanks again for spending time with me today. I hope you learned something. I hope there's some pearls of wisdom in there that you can take advantage of and apply to your particular business or personal life, whether you're a territory rep that's trying to achieve, hit your goals, achieve your objectives in the field, or whether you're a company leader. Now go win your week. <laughs>